Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Veil, a podcast on psychic protection, spiritual hygiene, and navigating the ebbs and flows of the healing journey as you learn to master both your sovereign and shadow selves. My name is Lauren, your host, and before we get into today's episode, which is going to be, I don't want to say a deep dive into dark forces, but we are definitely going to begin to understand them, who they are, what this consciousness group and the many groups that make up the bigger whole is all about. And of course, we will continue to build and build and build in our knowledge and understanding of them how we play a role in this, what we need to know for our journey, but we're going to start at the beginning and it's still going to be an episode I feel chock full of information and a lot of information that I haven't publicly shared. Before we do that, it was a very busy weekend. It was the Super Bowl last week and if you've been keeping up on social media, I've also been quite busy on Instagram just sharing a couple of perspectives that are pretty controversial. So I wanted to take a moment to expand a little bit, more than a minute and a half long reel and a few slides, because it's really hard to get the full picture. It's easier, which is why I have a podcast. (laughs) So Taylor Swift was the person that I was talking about, the the controversial topic, and honestly, I saw Taylor in concert when I was 15 at Madison Square Garden. I liked her in the beginning when she was still slightly country, but in my later teens and all of my 20s, I just felt something off that I really couldn't put my finger on. And it obviously wasn't until more recent years that I was able to understand what that was. So just backing up a little bit, and I apologize for those who have been keeping up. We're going to make it short and sweet, but there actually are things that I didn't get to share online that I'm going to share here. So hopefully it still benefits you. The Super Bowl was last Sunday. Although most of us probably don't tune in, but we are aware of these big events where the masses attend and the masses tune into these rituals, and they are dark rituals. So obviously you can do a ritual where the intention is service to others and serving the greater good, white magic, and you can also do rituals that are serving the self or a small group of people without care for how it affects the greater whole. We know that our government, the elites, politics, Hollywood, they all work with black magic. They all do these rituals. We see them, especially in Hollywood, at concerts with these mainstream artists. And I think maybe common knowledge, maybe not, that these things also happen at big sporting events because they are all connected. And especially now we see that crossover with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. And I understand why people love them as a couple because it makes you believe in true love or that's at least what's being projected to you However, the way I see it is it's not real, like it's all illusion. 
And it was sad for me to when I learned that most Hollywood couples are placed together and it's not actually something that happens organically. One couple, though, that stuck out to me in particular, that was hard a hard pill for me to swallow, and I don't really know why, but Jennifer Gardner and Ben Affleck, like to me, that was more believable than the Taylor and Travis couple. To me, it's just obvious that they are in a contract, and this did not develop organically, and it's still not developing organically because I see love and real love between other couples or whether they've broken up, I don't really know, but like Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly, where I can actually see the frequency of love between them and I'm just not seeing that between Travis and Taylor. And for me, I am in the pop culture world, not because I want to be, but because I'm guided to, because What's happening with the celebrities and the politicians, this stage, this main stage where this performance is taking place, is telling me exactly what's going on and what the dark agenda is and what their game plan is. So not everything, but I do pay attention to what's going on in pop culture because they're giving me the answers. They're telling me what they're doing. So I'm aware the Chiefs won. I don't, I should know who they played, I don't, but that's really how far removed I am from all of it, and I'm sometimes pulled in with different celebrities to be shown, like, okay, this person now has a contract, right, with, let's just call it the Antichrist, Hollywood, um, and yeah, it's very informative for me. So the ritual that was performed that night and, you know, unfortunately, at the end of the day, we're still in a spiritual war. We're also in a physical war. So there's been light that clears and the dark then attacks. And there's been these battles that have been going on every few months or so. And okay, this time with the ritual at the Super Bowl, they were successful in their attempt Still, I don't feel like it changes anything. Maybe we have some more clearing to do. But at the same time, more people are becoming aware. And that's exactly what is needed, right? It's becoming more and more and more obvious and more people are starting to break away. So yeah, they were successful. But at the same time, their performance is still benefiting um us because we need more people to be able to really see what's happening here, no veil. So it is okay. Maybe we have some more clearing to do, but I'm not really feeling concerned. On Friday, the Friday before the Super Bowl, I started to feel very tired, very out of body, which isn't usual for me. I feel that normally even despite living in Tulum, where if you guys didn't know this, there are rivers that run underneath. So naturally, it does attract those that are more watery, more airy, a little bit more out of body. Yeah, we don't really like to be in body. And on top of that, now we're grounding into more water. So it is more challenging to ground here. 
than for me back home in Colorado where I'm in the mountains. So normally I do feel very grounded. My usual practices weren't really doing the trick this time around. And the energy in Tulum started to get a little spooky, a little weird, but it was also the new moon and a lot of people were out of town for art week in Mexico City. So I was just thinking, "Mm, it's a little quiet. And that's where my head was at Sunday. By Monday morning, I was feeling, Sunday and Monday, feeling the most anxious I have felt in a while. So out of body, a bit of anxiety, and feeling the spooky energy in the air. And then on Monday morning is when I started to piece it all together, started to see the videos surfacing from the Super Bowl. You can see them doing the hand movements, uh, the rituals being performed in plain sight. Obviously, There was so much work and so much manpower that goes into these rituals that they perform. And there were sacrifices. There were a lot of things happening behind the scenes, right? A lot of prep work for this that a lot of us were probably feeling in the days leading up to it, right? Where our intuition is trying to tell us something. So I don't fully yet understand what exactly the ritual was and how they did it and how it's um, how, how it happened. So as that comes through, I, I, I'm happy to share it. But for now, I'm not entirely sure just on the one piece that I am going to talk about. So on Sunday, Monday, being out of body, I started to get pulled over to Gaza, to the Middle East. And I, I, like I said, I had a very hard time grounding. And just to note, sometimes instead of trying to force the grounding, sometimes you do just have to surrender to it. And it's knowing the difference between, okay, I'm disassociating, something is wrong, I need to come back into my body and figure out what that is that's making my soul not want to be here right now. Sometimes I get pulled out of body, not because of that, but because I need to astral travel or there's somewhere that my consciousness needs to be that's not here in my body right now. And that was what was happening to me over the weekend. And I started to get pulled over into the Middle East. And I'm pretty quickly realizing, okay, this is a grid work mission. I'm here to work. And my friend and I, we had both seen these tunnels, these underground tunnels where the wars are happening over there. And we know that they are doing some pretty unspeakable dark things. We know that they are trying to trap souls in the underworld through these tunnels as they are taking their lives in on the physical. And honestly, speaking of starting slow with dark forces, this is this is not slow, um, but I'm, I'm going to keep going and just trust that this is how the episode is meant to go. So one thing that I learned over the summer when escaping that teacher was that a lot of her power and fuel and life force energy came from the underworld. There were millions of souls that were stuck and trapped in the underworld. Just like how we are performing soul retrievals for anyone who has ever done that before, this is this is a 
a possibility of where an aspect of your consciousness might be where there's an aspect of your consciousness that's down there in these underworld realms. Um, of course, that aspect of your consciousness is connected to you, connected to higher aspects of your consciousness. So what they're doing is trapping a small aspect of your consciousness, and then they are siphoning the energy, um, one by trapping these souls and, and then feeding off of the higher aspects of their consciousness. And that is what I saw happening over the summer as I was dealing with what I was dealing with. So with that, I'm like, oh, that exists, okay. Then I had this grid work mission that I completed in Glastonbury right after that was really similar to this where I was traveling, astral traveling for, I wanna say it had to have been about an hour. It was a long time and I had no idea where I was going and what I was doing. It was just dark and I knew I was headed somewhere. And finally, I start to, I realize that I'm entering into the underworld of Glastonbury. And it was like these, this maze and all these hallways and these walls that had all this decoration on it and pictures. And then I'd open a door and these beings would come out, but they reminded me of like this wonky, distorted Alice in Wonderland type. If you can think about Alice in Wonderland and then think even more wonky, Mad Hatter energy, costumey, but dark and weird and eerie. And so I just kept opening all of these doors and they would like come out and like look at me all weird and with these checkered black and white floors and yeah, it was, um, it was kind of strange. So I do this for maybe another hour, just opening all these doors through this maze. And then I can hear myself communicating with Gwyn Apnud, who is this fairy king. And he resides in Glastonbury at the Tor, which the Tor is that really, really tall stone building on top of the mound um, that you can see from pretty far away um, in Glastonbury. It's very powerful because for one, there are many ley lines that run through it, crosses many ley lines, including dragon ley lines. And it also connects the below world to the um, middle world to the above world. So Gwynapnud, he's a fairy king, but he is also keeper of the underworld portal that is in Glastonbury. And I felt his energy I've connected with him before in many lifetimes, so I recognized it and I knew I was speaking to him, although I couldn't hear what I was saying. And then I hear him say, okay, anyone who wants to leave can now leave. And in that moment, I'm realizing, oh, whatever realm that I was in, the underworld of Glastonbury was was cut off, was very difficult to, to get to and find, and these souls are trapped. They're stuck here. They can't leave. And what we just did was create an opening for them to go if they want, because free will. So I start to put together, oh, this is how I, this is how I, I'm doing this work in the underworld. And maybe 
maybe I went off on a little bit of a tangent there, maybe not. Um, but I do want to just point out one more thing, and that is the the organic versus inorganic matrix, right? So the organic matrix is one that is built with unity consciousness as the intention. It connects us all to each other. It is the web of life, and it connects us to source, to higher dimensions, to higher wisdom. Then we have the inorganic matrix, which is the matrix that a lot of people are talking about, right? Where they say they escape the matrix. It's the inorganic matrix, the opposite of the organic matrix. And it is created using a lot of artificial intelligence, technology, all of this energy that is inorganic. And its intent is to take to take, to take, to siphon, to separate, to funnel the wealth and the life force to a very specific small group of people. And I have seen this matrix time and time again in many different forms. It is a beast. And I also shared this, and I don't remember where, but in one of my ayahuasca ceremonies, Kuan Yin appeared and she started to show me more layers of this inorganic matrix and explaining to me how it works, how I am supposed to dismantle it, how we are intended to starve it, and that is how we dismantle it. But we're all feeding it right now because it is woven so deeply in the core of our blueprints, of our psyche, of our mind, our bodies, our chakras. So, you know, when I talk about AI and implants, it's not just these little chips that we just pull out and go about our merry way. It's so deep and so layered. And there are these massive structures of AI that are in our blueprint. And our soul sometimes doesn't want to be in our body because it's like we know there's, there's energy in there that doesn't feel good and doesn't resonate. So in a lot of ways, we are still feeding it. The way we starve it is by doing this inner work and getting this out of our own system and purging this energy out of our bodies and reconnecting back to organic consciousness and the organic matrix. So Kuan Yin was just saying how a lot of people think that they've escaped because they've, they're not in a nine-to-five anymore. They're living more in nature. There's more consciousness, more mindfulness in their day-to-day, -day, but no, it runs so deep and we still have a, a long way to go. And... I just wanted to explain this because the underworld and what's happening also with these dark forces is fueled by the inorganic matrix. So back to the Super Bowl, with these dark forces, whether they're from the underworld or the above world, um, and the above world is in the fourth, fifth, sixth dimension, Obviously, they also exist in 321 as well. Today, our focus is going to be more about the higher, uh, higher dimensional dark forces. But this matrix is all they have. If they don't have this matrix anymore, they don't have their fuel sources, they don't have the resources. And from one perspective, it's kind of that simple. 
It's also very complex and complicated at the same time, but this matrix is sustained by what's going on in the underworld. And over in the Middle East, there is a genocide that's happening. There are a lot of people that are suffering and losing their lives. And unfortunately, it's like we're all aware and there's, I mean, things are being done absolutely, but it's horrific. And we know that Hollywood loves children and preys on children and because their energy is more pure. So sadly, a lot of children are losing their lives as well and they're targeting them. And on Sunday night, as people were tuning into this game, this ritual, right, where they were using and siphoning their energy to harm and unalive more people, more humans in the Middle East that happened at Rafa. So this has been happening, right? These um, unalivings, and they have been trying to funnel the, these souls down into the underworld to fuel this inorganic matrix. So the, the difference, the, the problem this time around was that in the past, we have been able to help them cross over and leave. But when, when, when they pass away, at first, they're not able to leave the planet. They're not able to cross over. And whatever ritual happened on the Super Bowl made it even more difficult to get them freed. So maybe this helps explain, you know, the technology, the way it works, and, and help you understand it a little bit better. But they're closing off stargates. They're closing off portals for these souls to be able to ascend and leave the planet and be free and safe and at peace. And they're forcing them into these portals that they want them to go down, which go down into the underworld. So it was a very high anxiety day for me. Again, I'm not the one experiencing this. I'm not playing victim by any means. Um, but it was a challenge to try to figure out how to stop what they were trying to do. And we did. It took over 24 hours to figure out, to crack the code. And again, I needed to understand what they're doing, the power behind what they're doing. And it was important for me to, to be there to help, of course, but to also see it the way that I did. So now back to Taylor, because she is part of this. She is a big part of this. And I just shared the message that I received about who she is on a soul level, not who she is presenting herself to be, not who we're seeing on camera or on stage, but her soul, her energy, her blueprint. No body, no mask. Obviously, you know, she's very much well-loved by a lot of people. So I knew that I was in the minority in this message, but I also knew that I had to share it. And I'm sh I shared it how, exactly how the information was presented to me. So I was doing a lot of clearing on myself, and all of a sudden, Taylor's energy starts to come into my field. And at first, I thought, like, leave? <laughs> Like, um, I'm so confused. 
what are you, why is she here? Sometimes my brain, you know, will think of irrelevant things or it's a subconscious random thought that is clearing. But then I realize, oh, no, uh, spirit is trying to tell me something. So the first thing that spirit said was that myth, that rumor, that Zena Shrek, the former priestess of the Church of Satan, is uh, the same soul as Taylor. So the, the myth is that she's a doppelganger, a reincarnation, or a clone of Taylor. Um, I'm sorry, other way around, because Zena was born first. So I've seen videos on this, and I thought, I thought it was true, but it also hits different when it comes through your own channel in a very direct and clear way, right? Where I'm like, okay, now I, I can say with confidence that, yeah, this is true. So they did say it's the same soul. And I do feel like there was some cloning involved, but our souls are massive and we fragment into a lot of different bodies. It's the same as the twin flame, right? Like the twin flame is one soul, two bodies. So it's very possible that one soul is living in two different bodies at the same time. So to me, the technicality of it all, um, it doesn't really matter because there are many ways that one soul can be in two bodies. So after that, I then, the, the energy started to shift after that message and it started to feel really sexual and sensual, but not in a good way. It was distorted. It was icky, kind of gross. And personally at that time, it was right around the eclipse back in October. And I was actually in the process preparing to clear the antichrist energy out of my body. So I started to realize, oh, this isn't random at all. This is very much connected. And that's a whole story within itself. And I really want to, I really want to tell it in the way that it deserves. And I, I just don't think today is that day. So we'll come back to, to more of that. But the energy of the Antichrist was there, um, present during this whole thing with Taylor. So they basically showed me that she is the mistress of the Antichrist, and she provides him with a lot of energy. She is a huge fuel source for him, the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is basically what is at the core of everything that these dark forces believe in. So the reptilians, the Anunnaki, the beings of Orion, the vampires, all of the underworld beings, all of these false light teachers, it all funnels down into the Antichrist. Whereas in opposition, those that are serving source or Christ, right? There's this polar opposite. So the angels, the ascended masters, all of the many loving and beautiful beings that exist, they are not, I don't want to say working for, but they are in service to Christ consciousness, whereas those that are in service to themselves or are inflicting harm or allowing this darkness in, the same energy that is um, behind Hamas and all of these other terrorist groups, they're feeding that which is the Antichrist. So they said, you know, with Taylor, there are vampiric energies. Yeah, okay. They said she's a vampire. I'll be verbatim. 
She is a vampire. She is siphoning. She is providing the Antichrist with a lot of energy. And for that reason, he loves her, basically like elongating that, saying like, you know, take love with a grain of salt. But he loves her because of what she's providing for him, not because of her as, you know, who she is. So there's this relationship between the two where they're both benefiting from each other. So yeah, he likes her because of that, um, because she is in service to him. So I shared that, and you know, obviously there was some backlash, which again, I expected. But I was just kind of, it's interesting for me also to see the backlash, to see where other people's heads are, right? Um, because I, I, again, and I know I've talked about the New Age community, but they just continue to outright reject anything that is not love and light. So they're not going to see it. But at the same time, this path, going into the shadow is not for the faint of heart. It's hard work. And if you don't have the proper tools and the foundation to do that, you should not go there. So I respect that they are not in the place yet to see it clearly. I don't want them to rip the Band-Aid off just because they can get swallowed up by it and they can get hurt and they need to honor that. And it's not, oh, swallowed up and hurt like it's, you know, anything fear-based. It's just you have to, you have to take the smaller steps, right, to be, to be ready to go there. And if you're flat out rejecting that the darkness exists, it is not time for you to do that. It's important for them to start to expand their mind a little bit and, and accept that there is darkness on the planet because ignoring it is a problem. But whether they want to dive into the depths of their own consciousness and do their own shadow work to that degree is up to them. And I will never judge or force because I know what it's like to go there and you need to honor your own pace. All I was asking from them is to just accept that there are maybe other truths out there beyond what they deem as theirs. So one more thing, and then we're moving on. On Monday, Joe Biden, our president, posted this very strange Instagram post. And for those who haven't seen it, I will link it in the show notes. But he was, he had, he was, it was a photo of him with these beaming red eyes, laser red eyes, and the caption saying, just like we drew it up. And in my head, I read it as just like we planned. They knew that it was a success. Obviously, this was all planned. He was basically letting everyone know, like, yeah, we did what you think we did. And yeah, we're celebrating. And yeah, it was a success. So things are getting really crazy out there. And I will definitely continue as, because I just think 2024 is going to be a really outrageous year in the veil lifting from the from what's going on. So there, there will be more of this if, if you guys want it. Um, and I think let's just jump right in because we already, we already went there and back. So <laughs> let's reel it in a little bit. And I'm just going to start with an introduction to Dark Forces. And I just want to share a little bit of my story as well. The beginning for me really was lifetimes ago. 
And I'm going to get into that, I promise. But in this lifetime, I traced back the very beginning of the psychic attacks, at least, to when in my first year of life. I didn't put it together until 2018. But again, I was depressed. I was sick. I was disassociated. It all made sense. So I was sitting in this group Akashic reading in 2018 because I was having another autoimmune flare-up. And I could not figure out what had triggered my body. I had not done anything differently. I had not eaten anything differently. It was just normal routine, no stress, no fights, nothing out of the ordinary. And I'm having this really, really intense, what I thought was an autoimmune flare-up. And the reader said, no, this isn't autoimmune. You're experiencing a psychic attack. And I was really upset and scared. And I remember crying um, immediately. And I remember someone in the session giving me the stone to help with protection. And it was all very new to me. And that's when the teacher said, and maybe some of you had heard this before, but she was like, your work involves both light and dark. And uh, at the time, I could not accept this. And I was like, yeah, absolutely not. No, thank you. Um, and it's 555. <laughs> and I, I remember saying I just wanted to stay in the light. And I left and I remember calling one of my good friends and just at a loss for what to do and um, just crying on the streets of Venice. And my teacher was like, you need to learn how to clear entities just like you brush your teeth every morning and night. You clear entities every morning and night. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I do not accept this is my reality. I just want to live a normal life. And I'm getting farther and farther and farther from that. What is happening? So fast forward in 2019 and 2020, um, I was about a couple years into a relationship with someone. I've spoken about him before. He introduced me to the meditation studio in Venice. He had this best friend that I was honestly really excited to meet and then immediately just did not get along with. And I always thought, like, something must be wrong with me. Like, why can't I get along with the best friend? Like, what's my problem, you know? But he was never... It was... It was him. Like, he put the wall up. He was never really kind to me. He was never really friendly. And my body, too, just rejected him. I didn't like hanging out with him. So we're two years into this relationship now, and I'm living with the best friend who is also now married. And in those two years, we have not built our relationship. We have not gotten any closer. But he wound up getting married very quickly, four months into knowing the wife. They were supposed to move out of the apartment. I moved in. They wound up not moving out. So we all lived together for a couple of months going into 2020. And I remember I used to tell my partner, like, I feel like my soul is dying in this apartment. And I don't understand why. Because we had such an amazing location we lived right by the water, right by the beach. The apartment was great, but my soul was dying. And I think back now, I'm like, wow, I can't even believe I used those words because they're so dramatic. But I didn't fully understand at the time. Um, but it was very challenging. He was very religious. He was textbook reptilian. Like now it would be the 
so obvious, but I just didn't see it at the time. Can't get more textbook than this man. One, very dedicated to the church in, in ways that, you know, would, so that, and also wanting to procreate, right? So immediately needing to carry on the bloodline, needing to, to basically get the woman pregnant, the desire to reproduce, that's exactly what he did with the wife. He also only ate red meat. And this was like years, years, not just like red meat diet. This went on for a very long time. So in addition to all of that, they were just really disrespectful, like singing gospel music while I'm working from home leaving beef grease all over the kitchen, using my pots and pans, using my rags, like not cleaning it, um, just really disrespectful on so many levels. And it was toxic. And so ultimately, with COVID a couple months into 2020, we wound up giving up the apartment, all of us, my ex and I left LA altogether, and, and so did the other couple. And it's now summertime. So... This was early April when I moved out. Now it's summertime and I'm in New Jersey. I'm home for the summer before moving to Colorado. And I'm walking my dog. And I see this vision of him in my mind's eye of the roommate, friend, the best friend. And then he, he then takes this zipper. This zipper appears and, and he starts to, to like zip his human suit down and out steps this 10-foot, like, gray-brown, massive reptilian being. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, of course he is reptilian. It explains everything. And at the time, granted, I was still newish to all of this, but it made it just made so much sense. And the visual was very significant for me as well, not only to see him in his true form, but also I had my eyes open while walking my dog, paying attention to the reality that I'm in while also getting visions at the same time. So for me, it was, wow, my gifts are really improving and expanding that I can kind of be in two places and see two different things at once. So it was exciting for me, liberating for many reasons that summer. Also, <laughs> that's when I really started to take all of this more seriously and I started to get pulled more into this world where, okay, I, I've known for a while and I've been working where I feel comfortable, but I started to, to really dive deeper into the discomfort and I started to see more reptilians around, whether that be in other people or in me. And I had these three and I call them my reptilian roommates. So I already had one human reptilian roommate, but now I have these three reptilians that are obviously in another dimension, but they were constantly in my room that summer. And I was just continuing to develop my skills to protect, to keep them out, to keep them as far away as possible without harming me or infiltrating me. I was working with a mentor at the time and I was battling, and in the very beginning, you know, now they can't even come near me. There's no fight at all, but in the beginning, it was always a battle and a fight to get them out of my space, 
And there were astral weapons that I had to use and things that I had to do that are just so not part of my reality anymore. But it was intense and it wasn't easy. And this went on for a long time, months. So I started to tune in. I'm like, who are these reptilians? Why won't they get out of my room? What do I need to do? And the message was they are contracted to watch, to observe, to make sure that I would not wake up, that I would not be able to be of service in the way that I am, almost like they were sent by the greater collective. And yeah, like I said, took maybe four months to, to get them out. Then they were watching from other dimensions. Um, and, you know, over time now they can't see anything at all. It was a, it was a journey. So at that time, I also started to separate myself from false light practitioners. I stopped watching Elizabeth April, and I really felt like I was kind of in my, really getting into my own understanding of all of this. And the grays started to appear. I'm like, okay, they're in my space as well. Who else? <laughs> so this was a couple years ago now, and you know, really, if we go back to way earlier, maybe I didn't have a name to put to these beings, but have been working toward fighting for that sovereignty since. And in the beginning, I didn't have the strength to clear them myself until almost two years later, where now, okay, I'm starting to get my power back. I'm battling, sure, not the best, but I'm still coming out victorious, I would say, most of the time. They did their damage, of course, but I was able to block and stop a lot more, and it just kept getting easier, easier, easier. So for anyone listening, if a gray comes to visit you in the night or in your dream, or if you have a visitation from a reptilian, really make sure that you're thoroughly checking as much as you can. And you know the way they operate is they'll attack in your blind spots, so you can't see it. That's why it's so important to work with a mentor or someone who can and to make sure you are continuously, thoroughly clearing your energy when there is an attack so that you can then become immune from it. So in this time, in the last few years, I learned how the darkness works. I learned how dark forces work. I learned about the many different species who all have a slightly different approach and a different area of target, but they do all work together. But at the same time, they don't because they're all just using each other at the end of the day. There's no loyalty. So they have alliances, but there's no loyalty, and they each need each other's resources to be able to carry out what they want and with the attempt to take over. But ultimately... They all want the same thing, and they don't want to share power. So they're all helping each other try to get that power, but at the end of the day, they're not going to collectively share it, which means that they are kind of at war with each other. And I also don't feel like they necessarily like each other either. They use each other to see how they can get ahead, and they do form these alliances to combine their resources, but they don't care for each other. There's no unity. And that's, that's their downfall. 
So the Greys and our government have an alliance. The Archons and the Anunnaki have an alliance. And I also feel like the Anunnaki and the Reptilians, they do have an alliance too, but they're also not really getting along right now. I don't, and maybe I'll, I'll share this in, in a later post because the, the way I found this out has to do with everything that happened over the summer. But as a whole, their goal is to control their goal is to collect resources to assert and maintain power and dominance over us and not just humans, but any species that they deem a weaker species. So in ayahuasca in 2021 in a ceremony, I had this opportunity to communicate with source and I felt like I was right there and I was like, oh, I have a question for you. How in the world do you expect me to love the reptilians? I know that I need to, but it's really hard to get to that place when you've seen them continuously, firsthand, time and time again, causing an insane amount of harm and pain and trauma. And Source said, well, I love them because they are me. And they are a manifestation and a representation of what happens when you turn your back on yourself, when you disconnect from me, right? Because they are, or at the end of the day, there is no separation. So at some point, a part of source consciousness chose to separate, to disconnect from the heart, from unity, from love. And that's what you get. That's what happens as a result. And then Source said, remember when you turned your back on yourself and when you disconnected from your heart and you were in a very dark place and very unkind. But then Source was like, well, I still love you. And I understood in that moment, what Source was trying to say to me, which is like, at the end of the day, we will always love and welcome them back home when they're ready to come back home. But at the same time, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be upset with them right now. And we're allowed to be angry at what they've done and what they're continuing to do. And it's not just ignore all of the emotions that come with the harm that has been inflicted, but to have compassion for them because they don't understand. They're disconnected. Yeah, they've been evolving slowly, but still evolving. And they don't have empathy. They don't have that in their genetics, in their blueprint to feel the compassion anymore. So, you know, that's what happens with the evolution over time. They are playing a role. They are serving, right? We are learning so much from them about ourselves. But, you know, they're not all bad. Absolutely not. Generally, as a consciousness group, they are in service to themselves, which presents a, a negative um, manifestation, generally. Um, but obviously there are beings that are part of the reptilian collective that are starting to come out of it. Generally, for the most part, I think I've maybe met two where I saw that they had a lot of reptilian DNA and a lot of gray DNA. 
Um, but I really felt their purity and I felt that they were trying to come out of it as well. These dark forces have been some of my greatest teachers and I absolutely understand their role and how it's serving all of us, but it serves until it doesn't. So at some point, we begin to evolve out of this layer, this level of duality where everything that they represent, the lack and scarcity, the fear, the control, the suppression, the domination isn't serving anymore, where we get to that point where we've played in this realm, we learn what we needed to, and we're ready to move on. And again, in the New Age community, the message is we need to just accept that they are here and and accept who they are. And it's like, yeah, to a degree, yeah, we do. But we also are here to evolve. And just accepting them means that we are continuing to allow them to do what they're doing, which means we do not evolve and grow. So there comes a point where we have to start creating this change. And I think a lot of people are probably on the same page, but maybe are trying to get to that point of not playing in the dark anymore when they haven't fully cleared from their own system. So when it comes time to close the cycle with them, eventually, yeah, you will be able to coexist and just accept their existence a little bit better. Um, but at the same time, we need to come together and, and, and stop these patterns from continuing. So just because it serves doesn't mean, I, I feel, doesn't mean that it's right what they're doing. I, I still don't agree with their beliefs and their ways, and but I can understand why they exist. So with that said, let's go into these four consciousness groups that are all under this umbrella of service to self beings, where the majority of the beings in this consciousness group are in service to self. And again, I'm talking about the dark forces today that exist in the upper dimensions, the galactic groups that are more in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth dimension. Of course, there is the underworld, like I said, which is a whole other ballpark. And obviously we know from the beginning of the episode that they work together. I will tackle the underworld in its own episode. But today, I'm focusing solely on these galactic groups that have a little bit more consciousness, awareness, intelligence. They don't have empathy or compassion, but they are intelligent. They have weapons and they have technology that we don't know about or we are just starting to learn about but don't really understand the full extent by any means. And they do have skills, they have psychic abilities, but they are using it to serve themselves. And their psychic abilities may be more than the average person, but really nothing in compared to what is available to us. We are just blocked from being able to fully access that. 
by them because they don't want that because then we will see the truth. So when you're only trying to serve yourself and you're only looking out for yourself and getting the resources you need for yourself, so you're going to take the resources from others and you don't care what happens to them because I need it for me, this is not going to create a positive ripple effect in the greater whole. It's not a positive manifestation when you're taking and stealing and harming to get what you need. And because they're disconnected from source, they don't have that abundant flow of life force energy. So they have to get it from somewhere else. So that's us, right? They're, we are the, the middle the middleman to this energy that they need to sustain what they're doing. I personally believe that these consciousness groups are on the timeline of extinction. It's going to take a really long time if that is the case, right? Millions of years, if not more, just looking at our galactic history. But that's the path they're headed down. And honestly, good riddance when that time comes so they can transform and be born into something else, something more beautiful, something with more life. And I know that they're doing everything in their power to stay afloat, to be able to sustain. They're in fear. So they're doing so by seeing an opportunity with others who have their walls down, their guard down, who are, whose hearts are open, who they see and deem a weaker species because of that and because they're like, oh, we can conquer that and we can take have what we want. So the reptilians, the Anunnaki, the greys, and the archons are the four that I'm going to talk about today. And just going back up to, you know, where their mindset is on the taking, I feel like some of it is so unconscious. And we see that with a lot of people too, where they don't even realize um, that they are behaving in this way. And that's part of the programming. These beings are skilled in coding. They are skilled in tech and they use that to run these programs, these auto loop, um, autopilot programs where you don't even realize you are exhibiting those behaviors. So these entities, these beings, they exist in the higher dimensions, higher than the third. The underworld beings, it's a, just a lower consciousness. So the Anunnaki, they are Syrian reptilian hybrids. There are a lot of service-to-self hybrid beings. Sometimes I'm looking at them like, mm, never seen this before and don't even know where to start or where these beings came from. A lot of them are gray hybrids because, again, or not again because I haven't talked about it yet, but the grays are trying to change their DNA because they are also at risk of going extinct, which I'll get back to in a minute. But a lot of these hybrids are connected to the grays in some way because they are experimenting. 
And the Anunnaki, they are reptilian-Syrian hybrids. So when the reptilians and Syrian humanoids mated back on Sirius a very long time ago, this race was uh, born. And they are like, I call them the gods with little g. It's the best way I can explain it. They are the ones that came to our planet and said, we are God, worship us, right? The Mesopotamia in Egypt and all of these ancient cultures, even Mayan civilizations, um, the Aztecs. So, and we see the Anunnaki depicted on the walls of Chichen Itza. So everyone thought that they were worshiping God with a capital G, but no, they are worshiping these big giant Anunnaki reptilian Syrian hybrid beings that are not God at all. And I'm going to get way more into the Anunnaki because uh, the group that I separated from was most of the players were Anunnaki. So I'm going to save more of them, who they are for another day. But they had a very strong presence in Atlantis, in Egypt, and they eventually did gain control over humanity in a new way in Mesopotamia, which is where our history books tell us that this was the first human civilization. Not quite. It was the first human civilization under Anunnaki rule. So our memories were wiped, our DNA was changed, and yeah, history was written to serve, obviously, we know how it goes there. The reptilians, the lizard people, and this is what I believe, this did not come from my channel. I don't remember where I read this, but it really resonated, and then when I tuned in, it was um, uh, confirmed, um, but it didn't come originally through my channel. And it's that they were actually booted out of another galaxy that they were in before coming to the Milky Way, because that galaxy had gone through its ascension process. These beings were no longer a match, a resonance to what was happening in that galaxy, which I do eventually feel like the Milky Way will also get to that point. And then new things will be born and they will play in the duality and then they ascend and that's the path of evolution. So they came to this one. I guess it was a match. I mean, it makes sense. We've got things that we need to learn here. The Milky Way, there's a lot of duality, whereas other galaxies, not so much. So we can trace them back or at least I trace them back to... Lyran times, right? The first human civilization in the galaxy, the Lyra constellation, their neighbor was the Draco constellation, home of the reptilians. So the first human civilizations on Lyra, they polarized themselves not long after the Draco, the reptilians invaded. There was a very sad war that took place and they've been kind of at war with us ever since. And for some of us, we probably feel that heaviness of, I'm so tired of this. I'm really done with having to fight and having to deal with this energy because your soul remembers 
dealing with it on Lyra, dealing with it on Orion, on Sirius, maybe even on the Pleiades, Beta Centauri, where there was constant war and attempt to take over. It's, it literally has not stopped. They've not only been taking over planets, but also stargates. They have bases on Sirius, on Orion, Lyra, Mars, the moon. They've been making sure that they have real estate and they've been claiming these planets, kicking those out who were there before, which again, sounds really similar to the United States and what has happened there. So again, we see these patterns on Earth. A lot of them are reptilian beings or they are guided by the reptilians to do the same thing, invade and make them leave and claim the space as your own because you have the right to because you decided that. And so then we have the greys. Here's my take on the greys. They were once human. They had to go underground uh, inner in inner earth or not earth because they weren't on earth it was on Lyra underground during the wars and they lived there for a very long time so they had to adapt naturally your biology changes your genes change they turn gray with lack of sunlight and there over time was a halt in their ability to reproduce I, I see the grays as more inorganic than they are organic. It's like they went from these organic humans to these inorganic alien-looking things um, by whatever path that they chose to go down. I think they used a little bit too much technology. They had to separate themselves from the natural, anything natural by living in a place where there were not elements and there was not sunlight and all of these things that they, yeah, I don't want to say needed to survive because they survived, but they were once these organic beings that over time turned too much to technology to now where their whole blueprint is almost entirely inorganic. They're stuck. They can't even reproduce on their own. They have to clone. They're not able to create life anymore. And they need to figure out how to reverse that and help their species continue to evolve and grow. So they're they're doing these experiment experimentation with humans per an agreement with our government. The government agreed to this and said, yes, you can abduct, take what you need, but you also need to provide us with information and technology so we can continue to maintain control here. It's an alliance. So I do believe on an individual level that humans do agree to it, but they, a lot of them are manipulated and not told the full truth on what it is they are participating in. And we're going to get into this in the next episode, but they use mind control to get you to agree and I've seen and cleared so many contracts with Greys where the contract will say one thing about the agreement in the experimentation, whether it's use of DNA or studying them or even retrieving eggs from women to um, try to reproduce with them. It gets weird. 
But the contract says what the contract says and what they're actually doing don't match up. It's like you give an inch and they take 10. That's what it seems like. So a lot of these contracts are really invalid because there's not there's manipulation and distortion. So there's a lot of bypassing, a lot of loopholes, a lot of manipulation used to be able to get what they want. We allow them to manipulate. That shows where we are lacking in our power and sovereignty. And we see how the way to reverse this is by kind of going through the other way. For me, anyone who's working with the grays and is open about that, because there are a lot of false light practitioners that talk about this, I don't trust them. And that is all I'm going to say. So take that for what it is. I do not trust any of them. And I'm not even going to get into it because, again, I don't feel like the grays care about our well-being. I understand why they need what they need from us. But at the same time, they're partnered with the reptilians and the Anunnaki. And I understand that they want to help their species, but there's no exchange. If they had come and said, hey, please help us, we want to be able to continue to evolve. And in exchange, we will provide you with something that will also benefit your highest good. They're they're exchanging for sure, but it's with our government and it is neg- it's a negative exchange. So that's where they're at. And yes, there is a future hybrid race that was successful in all of this, and they are called the Esasani. So for anyone who knows Bashar, he's a gray, he's an Esasani gray, or he's channeling an Esasani gray, excuse me. Or right. Bashar is the is the Esasani. Daryl is the name of the man. Um, and I personally don't really know how I feel about that. Something tells me, mm, stay away. Um, but I am happy to see that there was success in the, the pursuit of the greys because the Esasani are a future race. All of these beings are using mind control, like I said, So again, we'll just save that for the next episode. We have the Archons next. The Archons I discovered a little bit later on. I want to say it was 2021. And I was just thinking for a while, I'm like, okay, the reptilians, the Anunnaki, they're the puppets. They have to be like, they're working for someone and I can feel that. And it makes sense because why would we know the name of those that are really in charge? And I'm sure there's someone, something above the Archons, probably. Maybe they're connected to humanity, maybe not so much. Maybe they're a little bit more far removed. But I just felt like they're, they were the reptilians were serving a master. They were serving someone else. And I... I just felt it. So I had a call with the same friend after my whole 
you know, entities got to clear them like you brush your teeth every day conversation. And she was like, yeah, you're right. I'm getting the letter A, but I'm not getting a name. And then a couple months, maybe a little bit longer after the name came and it was Archon. And I see them as these really tall, gray, almost like mantis beings. And of course, there's a hierarchy, right, with the service to self beings. And with the reptilians specifically, it's so ingrained in them. It's part of their culture. They operate in a hierarchy and they thrive in it. And that's that. So with there being a hierarchy with the dark forces, it makes sense where in unity consciousness on the higher dimensions where things are more, there's more equality, not so much, but playing in the lower dimensions, that's not the same. So the archons are one of the top. Again, sure there are more we don't know about. But really for all of them, and, and I'll just say one more thing about the archons, they use extremely sophisticated technology. When I'm clearing it, I'm like, wow, this looks like it. it's light. It really looks like light. They do a really good job of almost perfecting false light. And again, I keep getting ahead of myself, but next week there will be more on that. Anyway, at the root of all of this, all of these dark forces, whatever group they are connected to, I really believe that there is fear at the root of all of this. They are afraid. And it maybe has gotten to the point where they don't even realize it because they've suppressed it so much. And yeah, we need to have compassion for them. Um, But we also need to stop letting them have access to us. Like that is self-love. Stop giving them access. Stop allowing them to harm because this energy that's in us that is theirs is not who we are at our core so that's it today on dark forces until next week again going a bit deeper and understanding the technology some of the etheric weapons that they use and we'll just kind of see what else comes because i don't know quite yet But I hope you all have a beautiful rest of your day and night, wherever you are, whatever time it is in the world. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Let me know what you guys think in the group chat. If you haven't joined, the link is in my bio on Instagram or on my website. And we'll open up discussion as always. In the meantime, you can find me at Lauren on Earth on Instagram, laurenonearth.com. And on 222, so in just a few days, I will be doing another group healing and activation for the powerful 222 portal. It will be a lot of Magdalene and Christ codes that will be coming through. So the link is on my website to sign up if you would like to join. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye.